welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm EJ, one of your co-hosts, and with me today are Lori and Dee that we're calling Masks of Bitterness. Um, just a friendly reminder, anything discussed in this podcast is not to be used as a diagnosis or a replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or other medical professionals. So today we're going to be talking about anger and bitterness. Uh, and part of the reason for this uh, topic is because I've recently been sort of dealing with a, a couple of things. And one of the things that I noticed that uh, it, it kind of came to my awareness that one morning I just was not in a great mood, kind of anger, angry and, and bitter about some things and found that I was just super aware that the rest of my day, it just sort of overshadowed uh, how my day was going and the choices I was making and how I just saw things uh, was through that lens of anger and bitterness and realized that if I let the anger and bitterness that started the day go, the rest of my day looked much better. So uh, we just decided this might be a good topic to talk about. It's interesting. Um, you know, I know we've shared, you know, that I'm seven weeks post up uh, today and it, I, I struggled with some areas of, of anger and frustration and, and they can definitely lead to bitterness. And it really made me think about, um, how my day went from there, where I started, you know, and you know, you, T, you and I are working on, on this book about the toxic positivity versus purposeful, um, purposeful positivity. And I was drawn to a quote by one of my favorite Christian uh, artists. His name is Danny Gokey. And he- I love Danny Gokey. Yeah, he's, he's really amazing. But he was doing an interview or talking about his own relationship and just his own life. And he said, I started realizing how the condition of our hearts affects the way we see. So if your heart is full of bitterness, anger, resentment, you're going to look at the world as a very evil place. A very dark place and it's really hard to move away from that and maybe that's interesting thought I didn't think about but maybe that's why we're always encouraged as followers of Jesus Christ to start our day with a quiet time gosh I just because otherwise the world that we live in is pretty dang dark and it doesn't, it doesn't help us. So, yeah. Well, it's easy to snowball. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. I know in this like first little part and I feel like I am probably the most guilty out of all three of us of doing that. Like I will snowball and it's easy for me to get mad and 
frustrated and just choose instead of dealing with it I just choose to walk away from it because I'm like I don't want to deal with this I'm done like I don't, just don't care um and I know that's not like an adult thing to do that's more of a childish thing to do because you know you can't walk away from your life but it gets frustrating in times and especially when you I know for me like Lori and I struggled I think a little bit when we first I moved in again with her because it had been so long since her and I had lived together as roommates that you know, we were both kind of at a time where both had been living on their own for a short time or, you know, a length of time. And so we had kind of been set in our own ways. And then it's like, we come back to living together and like, how are we going to balance this? Like, how are we going to give each what we want, but also, um, you know, kind of honor what we've been doing for the last like four years for me. And then Lori had been about a year-ish, you know, that she'd been um, living on her own. And I think, um, I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, I it just, I want this to work however it works. And, um, but that's not the, and we've had some really lengthy conversations and we've worked through a lot and that's, that's what we need to do is we need to talk about it and we need to, um, you know, first I want to validate the fact that anger, bitterness, and, you know, negativity is not bad, but it's how you deal with it afterwards like when you start getting negative when you start getting angry when you start getting bitter it's like what do you do do you fly off the handle yell at everybody cuss at everybody piss everybody else off and then it just to make their lives miserable so they can be miserable for for you are you doing it or are you talking to people are you telling people how you're feeling are you trying to because I know for me once I start talking about it then I'm not as bitter then I'm not as negative then I'm not as I'm still like I still got to do it. So I'll do it. Not happy about it, but I'll do it, you know? Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. I, I feel like we can go through those times in our lives and especially like we've all had stuff happen in our lives and, you know, I've lost both my parents, um, which brings up a lot of like negative thoughts negative memories and like eh, I just don't associate with certain things now because of it and as Lori's reminded me you can't do that um because that's not good well you can but maybe we shouldn't (laughs) so exactly I mean that that right there is like part of it's like how do you how do you find that balance of like going from like a, a trigger, you know, like how can, like, cause people who have PTSD and stuff can easily get bitter when certain things happen that, you know, trigger them. How do they deal with that? So a conversation I often have with clients is first of all, kind of like what you're getting to EJ is that the feelings are there for a reason. So it's sort of like, you walk up to a stove and you touch it and it's hot. That feeling of heat tells your brain to move your hand away from the hot. Right. Um, our feelings, our emotions serve a similar purpose. It lets us know what's going on in our internal world and our external world and how they're interacting. So that's sort of the first step is just recognizing like I'm angry, I'm bitter. Yeah. 
And um, as soon as sometimes as soon as we realize what we're anger angry about and bitter about, then we're like, mm-hmm. oh well, yeah. you know what? I'm okay. I can I can make this work. I can I can work around this. I can talk to this person, or I can fix this situation, or I can't fix this situation, and some acceptance to that. Um, so recognizing the emotions is the very first step because if you don't recognize it, you're not going to know that something's wrong. you're you're not going to know what is exactly wrong like when you touch that stove you know that stove is hot but if you if you don't if you choose to ignore it you're going to keep touching the stove yeah you're not going to move away from what it is or deal with what it is yeah and then there's physical consequences of getting burned like Mm -hmm. burns on your hand that you have to heal and Mm -hmm. But if you keep not acknowledging that the stove is what burned you, you're going to keep going back and burning yourself on that stove. Right. So yeah, definitely being, becoming aware of what your feelings are, what your emotions. And I keep switching to the word emotions because um, I find that's a little bit easier because we're talking about, you know, feelings of a hot stove. So tac- tactile touch, you know, right. tactile is touch, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, you know, so absolutely. We, if, if, if we, I think in society and even within our own faith that sometimes we assume we're not supposed to have those kind of feelings like anger and bitterness. Um, and so we just somehow means we're doing something wrong if we're angry and bitter. So we're just going to pretend we're not angry and bitter or uh, just kind of set it aside. And um, so we can put on this joyful, happy face that society tells us we're supposed to have. And sometimes we feel like our faith, that's what we're expected in our faith to have is that constant joyful face or at least peaceful, (laughs) you know? Um, So we do, we tend to like, okay, it's not appropriate to be angry. It's not appropriate to be bitter. Um, And that really goes against the reality of it. And so that creates this, what we call a dissonance. It doesn't, one thing doesn't fit the other. And so um, then we walk around with that dissonance and then we're seeing everything through that. Um, I have, I do have a quote. I, I don't know who the quote is off the top of my head, uh, but I do have this up in my office for my clients. Um, And it says, your, your brain will constantly rewire itself to suit the information that you feed into it. So if you constantly complain, gossip, find excuses, etc., it will make it much easier to find things to be upset about, regardless of what is happening around you. Likewise, if you constantly search for opportunities, abundance, love, and things to be grateful for, it will make it much easier to find a reflection of those things around you. It takes practice, but over time, this is a very powerful way to reshape your reality. And on the one hand, I completely agree with this. Like it is very, very true. But with, for me, the exception is to be aware of those negative things that are around you is still important to know that, that those things are happening to acknowledge them, to name them. Um, but so, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, just not focusing on them, making that your primary reality. Yeah. Which is, I think why a lot of people, and I, I've been encouraged, I know to cut people off in my life who are negative that like, that's just, they constantly act negative and they just have nothing, you know, good to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think, you know, 
people, some people have those negative personalities. And unfortunately, you have to make a decision, especially when you're starting to struggle with your own maybe bitterness and anger and emotions like that, mm-hmm. as to whether or not you want to keep those people in your life um, because they can harm you. Right. Are you going to keep touching that hot stove? Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking about that uh, Inside Out movie and that little red the red dude for anger and the little purple yeah. dude for worry or anxiety. And, um, I was like, those, those dudes are cute. Like, it was just funny. Cause I was thinking about that. And like, and I'm seeing them running around, like having, the, having a blast and then joy and sadness are sitting over there. Like, what the heck are they doing? You know, but that's, um, but also that movie was so great. Cause it showed that even though, um, they maybe went off the deep end sometimes, that they were still a part of our life. Like they're, yep. they're still supposed to be there. Yeah. Can I be angry now? Can I be angry now? Yeah. 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 Can I, can I push the button? Can I push the button? <laughs> yes. Um, now's the appropriate time to be angry. <laughs> right. And I, you know, that cause we had talked when we were planning this, that, you know, and I, I'm, I fully experienced this, like waking up in the morning and something happens that shouldn't have happened. Or I, you know, I didn't sleep well. So then it just starts my day off negative and everything else has just gone to shit. Sorry. I can't say it any other way. (laughs) I just like, what the hell? And it's like, everything just doesn't go my way. And I just feel like I'm dropping things and I'm just, I'm not myself. Um, so I've I've like felt that I've like gone through that before. And then, so it, it definitely feels like that. Like I I've had those times where I've woken up and just like, everything has just not gone the way I wanted. And I just, by the end of the day, I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm like, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> it's just like, I need to reset. Um, well, it's like, it's like that day that I felt that anger and bitterness and that kind of epiphany, that awareness kind of came into focus. I re- realized I was looking for more things to be angry and bitter about. I'm like, what else is wrong? there's more wrong. I know there is. And per, sure enough, I was finding it, but, and I was realizing I was doing it so, and, and still doing it. And it was very interesting. It was almost like I got to step back and kind of see what, what was happening and realizing that I do that. Like, not just sometimes, like a lot, like once my day starts going bad, it's almost like whatever's going bad, isn't bad enough for how I'm feeling. So I've got to continue to pack that box with more stuff to be angry about. And then pretty soon my day is just shot until I decide not to be angry anymore. And I can, you can literally choose not to be angry. It is possible. Yes. That's what I really wanted to kind of talk about a little bit. Um, I've said before, you know, a lot of people, when I share my life story or my testimony or, you know, I have been, you know, I have been told you have every right to be bitter, angry, sad. Okay, so, so it can be what it justifiable, mm-hmm. but just because something is justifiable doesn't mean that's the wise, healthy, pure, better thing to choose. And and 
I've been working a lot with my current counselor on when I'm going into these new situations, when I'm going into these frustrating scenarios, these dark things, he constantly reminds me, so what are you going to choose? How are you going to look at it? Kind of like my, my quote from, from Danny Gokey. The bitterness affects the way that I see things. Mm-hmm. The anger, the frustration, it affects the way I see them. It also, if I don't stop and choose a different direction, or make a different choice, it will cause me to snowball to get out of control. There's a there's a pattern in here. So you remember when I don't know, EJ, if you're if this was a phrase in your generation, but it would have been one in mine and T's. But a lot of times, remember we were told to stop and count to 10 right? Stop what you're doing, count to 10, and then not quite sure 10 is enough. And I think you've talked about that before, you know, with the the brain. Um, See, so you can talk more to that, but just that simple little act of stop, count to 10, and then you're like, you really can have a change. Or you can at least be aware of what you're doing. And often, more often than not, being aware of it really allows you to see those other options that you couldn't see because your anger and bitterness and frustration was so in your face that you couldn't see past it. But if you stop and count to 10, they move out, they become... You know, and you actually can see choices. So, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely not a phrase I remember hearing. Uh, the only one that really stands out, and I think it's just hilarious because it's from a show, but it's um, it's from Family Matters. I don't know if you guys remember that series with uh, Urkel, and he always came over and annoyed the father of the family next door. Yeah, and so. Uh, the dad had gone to some shrink, but it turned out to be a, you know, not real. But the guy taught him like, what, three, two, one, one, two, three, what in the heck is bothering me? <laughs> so that's what I was thinking of when you're talking about that. But no, it's not a phrase I've heard. It makes sense though. And I think we kind of all in some way, shape or form, like we'll try and when somebody's starting to spiral, we can say, stop, what is wrong? Like what to so try to, you know, even you recently, like when those bouts of pain and like, I'm trying to get answered, I'm like, I'm trying to get you to tell me what's the problem. Like, is it because you're tired? Is it because you're, you know, is, is it pain? What can I help you with? Can I help you with the pain? You know, because when we're in those moments of just like deep frustration and like deep anger, bitterness, we don't, it's like, we, I don't know. It, we're so, so narrowly focused. We just keep bailing forward. T, talk to, talk to that. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of science behind what we're talking about. And so I'm going to share that. And I'm, I know I've shared these things before, but it's my geek moment. 
<clears throat> so first of all, uh, studies we're learning, uh, anger is not an original feeling. Uh, anger usually starts from fear. Uh, something frightened us. The anger is part of our fight flight. Um, so if we're angry, we can move. We can fight back. We can protect ourselves. We can do whatever it is we need to do because of that originating fear. Um, I've, I've, like I said, the studies are out there. I haven't, I don't have all the quotations and all that stuff. I just know that I've seen that. And it makes a lot of sense when you think about what fear does to our brain. So the first thing, the first place information goes as we take it in is straight to our amygdala um, before it goes to the front part of our brain. Now the front part of our brain is in charge of planning, understanding what's going on around us, controlling our behavior and our impulses and things like that. You notice when someone's frightened or angry, they have little control of their behaviors. Uh, and the more angry they get, the more frightened they get, the less control they have. So if we're operating out of our amygdala, then we're in our fight flight mode and we're not thinking, we're not planning. Uh, and um, yeah, we're just getting ready. We're, we're getting ready or we're there fighting or flighting. And there is also freeze. So I don't want to ignore that. Um, and then, you know, studies are finding more and more along those lines, but that's beside the point because what you guys are talking about, like stop and take 10 or just breathe or, um, uh, three, two, one, one, two, three, what's bothering me. What those things are doing is, to, um, they're, they're involving a, the front part of our brain. And if we can get our front part of our brain online and engaged, we can reason and we can, and we can identify what the source is and we can then fix it, not just fight it or flight it. So um, that's why those things are so important. It's also really important to be able to name the feeling because the naming comes from the front part of the brain. The feeling itself, the emotions, that part of the brain is actually there by the fear center. It's there by the um, amygdala. So, and so is parts of our memory. Um, so when we go to those extreme emotions, that's probably where we're, we're operating from is our amygdala. So being able to take a nice deep breath, which is something we're not doing if we're angry or afraid, if we're angry or afraid, which we're breathing fast and shallow likely. And um, so if we take a nice, slow, deep breath, it sort of sends that message like we don't need to be in the amygdala. We can send some energy and blood and oxygen to the front part of our brain. Uh, and then we can fix it. We're more so, likely to be able to fix it. I have a question regarding that. So, because I, sometimes I've been talking a lot with my oldest grandson and my question is, and one of the things I've been bringing up to him is even if it isn't fixable, we still have choices. We still have. So sometimes, not all the time, I guess I, I just want to make sure we address this because I'm learning with grace, the idea is to be more flexible um, and not always try to fix it, but acknowledge it and then be able to make different choices, even if it isn't the outcome that I would like. Or, or the perfect scenario, or, you know, because I think a lot of us, 
And I know it's going to sound weird, but sometimes we don't, maybe in my mind, we don't always need to fix it, but we do need to acknowledge it <laughs> or we do need to process it so that we can appropriately. Right. So, 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 so fixing it doesn't mean, like you said, doesn't mean the problem's fixed, but there are terms also that apply tolerance and resiliency. Yes. And being able to self-soothe, being able to comfort yourself. Um, and because bad things happen all the time, it's, there's never a time in our world history that we haven't had, there ha you know, people aren't experiencing tough times. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes it's relativity. It's like how, how it depends on how we translate it. But um, so, so there's that. Uh, and children are naturally resilient. Um, it's amazing even though the front part of their brain's not even online yet. Um, but, and maybe that's why they're resilient is because they don't have, they're not hardwired uh, for, for um, failure um, and any feelings that go along those lines. They're not hard, hardwired for that. They're naturally curious and um, because they're learning, they're, their brains are forming. So they have to learn things and, um, so yeah, children are just naturally resilient. Um, and it's good that you, that he, you're starting to teach him that, but he's not going to naturally take to that. And he's going to need to be retaught that over and over again, because the front part of our brain isn't fully functional and formed until we're in our mid twenties. And that's why it's so hard for teenagers because they're little, they look like little adults, but that part of their brain that can make rational decisions and understand consequences, there's, that's just now starting to form and it forms through experience. So when we put all this pressure on our kids and on our teenagers to be performing like we would with all our knowledge and experience, is creating an expectation in an environment for them where there's just so much stress. Um, and it's already so stressful, um, that period of time. So um, just keeping that in mind that uh, for those who are watching or people you know, that if they're like teenagers or in their mid twenties, just you know, give them a little bit of grace. They're still learning. Um, how to do that. And part of how we learn is not only through experience, doing and learning, but observing. So if you want others to be more resilient or to be um, more grace-filled and less angry or less re reactive to their anger and frustration, then you have to model that. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So, it's so much more fun to feed into it. <laughs> Agreed. And sometimes that's the problem is you get, that's a real thing. You see it a lot in kids, but adults more and more, in my opinion, where they're actually, there's like the almost, it's almost like the anger and bitterness is activating their pleasure center in their brain. So they actually kind of, they get a high or a rush off it. Um, which makes sense because when you're angry and you have to fight or flight, you need adrenaline. Yeah. To fight or flight. So that fear and that anger is likely activating adrenaline and some other ones. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of a rush off it. And I, uh it's good to be aware of that. Yeah, I was thinking about a couple of things. So when I was first starting to see my uh psychologist, 
how long ago was it? 12, 14 years ago, something like that. I would sit on the edge of my seat, like ready to rush out the door. Like I was just so tense and so anxious. And that was the depression and the anxiety and all that happening. And there was a lot going on at that time. And about a year later, he's like, you know what? He's like, I've noticed something about you. And I was like, what? And he goes, you're sitting in the chair and you're not looking like you're ready to run out of here. <clears throat> he's like, cause you're, you're not as tense. You're not as, and I think that comes with it is, is I know, um, I feel like I've been doing that lately, sitting on the edge of my seat. Cause there's just been so much going on that I just feel like I need to be ready <laughs> for. Whatever. And you wouldn't have known to watch for that. Had he not verbalized that he or right. she, I don't, I can't, don't know if it was he or she, but if they had not been able to verbalize and observe that to you, I actually do that with clients too. It's like, yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how, how stressed out are you right now? And they're like, you know, trying to tell me good things. And they're like, well, a seven why I'm like well you're doing this <laughs> I call their attention I call their attention to it because it they don't know and and if I can give them cues and to be aware of what things are doing when I notice that their stress is up they can become aware just like you you are now aware yeah and able and to I, check in with yourself I um I remember coming home from work back then and being you know flying off the handle and madder than a hornet at stuff that happened at work something my coworker did that made me mad and like my mom would just kind of nod her head because there was about she was just letting me vent and that's what I needed at the time was just venting because I was so frustrated with you know things going on at work and everything so I feel like sometimes and I've, I've even told Lori this you know I'm like sometimes I just need to like emotionally vomit and then I'm fine because that mm -hmm. that's really how it is it's like I get it off my chest I'm no longer frustrated I boxed it up put it in my little box and stuck it in my brain and then it's I don't have to deal with it anymore because I like I've talked about it I'm, I'm good <laughs> well and here's what happened so let's say let's imagine that we have a quarter in our pocket mm -hmm. and I ask you to describe that quarter that quarter now you can tell me generally what's on the quarter right, right. like we know that there's a president on one side and a picture on the other. And I'm not, I don't pay enough attention to my quarter to remember everything that's on the quarter, but it's in my pocket. I still have it. It's still there. Now I can make assumptions about it. Like it's a dirty old quarter, but then I pull it out and I look at it and realize, oh, it's not as dirty as I thought. Oh, and look, that's, it's this president it has this date on it. And I have a lot more details about it. Mm -hmm. Now I can put that quarter away because it's not as, and, and I realize it's not as bad as it was, or maybe it's worse than what I thought, but now yeah. I know, now I know. And now I know what that quarter needs, what need that quarter needs. So it's mm -hmm. the same thing as like, if you just, if you don't talk about it and you keep mm -hmm. it in your pocket and you don't pull it out and look at it, you're making mm -hmm. assumptions about it. And then you may be accurate, right. but most likely you're missing some details. And if you had those details, you can make a different decision with them. So that's basically what you were doing when you were coming home. There were probably times when you're like, you were so mad about something a coworker did, but when you talked about it, you realized, okay, I, I see why I was mad, but I don't need to stay mad about that. Or 
I can do this to fix it, or I'm going to do this next time. But you get to make decisions because you pulled it out. But if you left it in your pocket and didn't talk about it, it's just yeah. sitting there. Yeah. And that's how some people can like, that's where we're talking. You snowball, the bottle gets full and eventually you're going to erupt mm-hmm. um, because you continually do that and you don't talk about it. Um, so, which kind of leads us into our next uh, discussion of how do we con- combat this bitterness? How do we, and us as faithful women have um, another layer of ways to combat it, not just our um, emotional and like physical and our counselors, we have, you know, spiritual as well. We have spiritual ways of combating it. Um, so I thought each of us could share a little bit about um, kind of what do you guys do to combat when you start feeling bitter aside from what we've already talked about uh do you want to go first or I think I I think we've been alluding to it all along if not straight out saying it uh, because for me that day was just becoming aware that I had a choice that I didn't have to keep, I was choosing to continue to be angry without realizing I was making that choice. So becoming aware that I was angry, becoming aware that the anger was about this, not this. And I didn't have to let the rest of my day uh, continue from that place of anger. Uh, So awareness, becoming aware and knowing yourself, knowing what that looks like for you um, is, I don't think you can fix it without that, without that. I would definitely agree with that. Um, recently just watched, uh, I talk a lot about my grandkids because you know I love them and they're the center of my life. Um, got to watch a new little show that I hadn't, I'd kind of seen little pieces of it before, but I hadn't really been able to, I didn't sit down and watch it, but I was watching it with uh, one of my granddaughters and it's called Daniel Tiger. And it, it's uh, the characters and all that from Mr. Rogers. Rogers Neighborhood. Yeah, and it's so cute. I love it. But my absolute, my absolute favorite phrase, and I, I gave it to, to EJ the other day when she was struggling. I was like, so if something's bad, what do we do? We turn it around. And I was like, yes, I love this phrase. Yes, I love this. So if something's bad, if something's bitter, if something's, we're full of anger, what do we do with that? We got to turn it around. And it seems so simple and so easy. It's not. (laughs) But, you know, one of the things I noticed, so kind of like you uh, mentioned, T, the psychology behind it. And they do put all that into these kids' programs and, you know, the good ones anyway. Um, but there was a lot of unknown fears driving Daniel and his little friend's decisions. And there's, I'm, maybe you'll remember it, EJ, um, but there was a, there was a step where when we're afraid, let's talk about what might happen next, what might be there, what, and they really set these little characters up 
they kind of the the mom or dad character or the one of the other mentoring characters would step in and say, "Oh, you're afraid. Oh, let's talk about that. What do we do with that?" And I know I know we're talking about a little kids program here, but the the basics, the essentials are there. We just have to keep them in mind. And I think you made a good comment earlier that sometimes I we get jaded the older that we get, right? We get saddened and full of bitterness and anger and frustration because we do live in dark times. We do live in a often dark world, but we can dark still find this. Lie ahead, Hattie. Sorry. <laughs> but again, we can find the silver linings. We can make the good choices. We can choose to see some positives, count our blessings, you know, all of those things. So, well, if, if you think about it, what is fear, right? Fear is that something is out of our control and we are going to suffer for it. When we make choices, when we choose something, we're taking an active role in what is happening to us. So, so that's, that's, a piece of it, um, what I'm looking for with my clients is helping empower them through allowing them choices, allowing them to um, feel success through those choices. Um, so sometimes they're guided choices because I, I, I'm sitting on the outside. I know I, I don't have the, the filter they have. I don't, I'm not seeing the world through the, the lenses they're seeing it. So I know that, that sometimes, you know, Certain choices are better than others, but giving someone the power of choice uh, lifts them out of that place of fear. Yeah. Um, and it can really be easy to get caught up in the what ifs. So it's a natural thing. I, if I see a client doing that, I, I notice out loud, hey, I notice that your what ifs are really negative. You're seeing all the possible bad outcomes. Is there any possible good outcomes? You know, or less bad outcomes sometimes, you know? So, yeah. So that's just knowing that we have a choice and that um, sometimes the choice of not being angry and bitter is so empowering, not just for us, but the people around us. Those people around us can see these bad things happening. And when we choose to do it a certain way, um, it's it's very, uh, yeah, it's, it can be pretty powerful. And um, so when someone sees that you are, are dealing with something that you have every right to be angry about, but you're choosing not to be angry, you're choosing to be forgiving. You're choosing to be graceful. That doesn't mean you're going to keep putting your hands back in the flame or back on the stove, but you're choosing to be like, you know, I don't have to be like that. There are people are watching that. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when you realize you have choices. Yes, it is. I think Lori's going to be shocked when I say this, but um, music, because it gives me anxiety usually, but there are some good songs out there and I don't want to get copyrighted on YouTube. So I'm going to be really careful about how I say this, 
but it's the chorus to Fear is a Liar by Zach Williams. It's a really good song. Mm. And the chorus is Fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath, stop you in your steps. Yes. He will rob your rest, steal your happiness. So he said, cast your fear in the fire because fear, he is a liar. Exactly. is Satan. He wants to get in there. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take your happiness because he doesn't want you to have faith, have joy and be sunshine. He wants you to be dark and bitter and feed into the negativity in the world right now, which kind of leads us into we all have picks and scriptures that are really um, important to us or have um, ways to guide us through this bitterness. Um, I think T, we decided you'd start. So do you want to share your scripture? Absolutely. So I'm, this is James 1:20, and it says for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Um, and I know when we were going over our verses earlier, uh, one of the versions had a little bit more to that, mm-hmm. um, which is how I was translating this anyway when I saw it, because uh, it, it's it's acknowledging that man can be angry, uh, but in that anger, we're not doing, it, it, it doesn't fit with God's righteousness and what he wants for us. Right. right. Um, my, my scripture is Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And when the boys were younger um, and were struggling with something, I would often say, so how does that work with Philippians, you know, 4, 8? And they're like, well, yeah, I'm not focusing on the right thing. Um, But it was one of those ways to kind of just stop us. Um, I'm going to read the scripture from the Amplified Version because I love the extra enhancement that it gives. It says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Center your mind on them, implant them in your heart. The things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, like you said, teeth, the mentoring, Practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. I, I just love that scripture. And I'm always motivated by it. And really does kind of stop me in the best way. Say, well, where are you going with this? Where's your brain? Where's Where's your heart? And just really can help me to choose differently. So, yeah. And even last night you brought that up and you're like, well, is what you're saying any of those things? I'm like, no, but I don't care. (laughs) 
I'm choosing this right now. Right. And it takes some time. And I, I'm a processor. Like something comes at me, I need time to process. And usually after I've processed a few days, I'm like, uh, okay, I see it. But it takes me time. So in the moment, I don't need the, this is, you know, and I, and I think that happens a lot with kids and stuff too, is we'll, you know, it, it will say that. And then like kids are like kind of 60 miles ahead, you know, they're not going to see that and it takes them some time. Um, so it, it's I just, sort of, it's sort of like before I learned the point of the term, just breathe or, you know, I'd. I, before I knew the point and understood the science behind it, if someone told me just breathe, I wanted to punch them in the face. Solid yeah. throat punch works great. But <laughs> now, now, now I understand that there's a real reason for the breathing and it helps me to, to do that. So. Well, yeah, because there's sometimes in depression, you know, because I have depression. So there's some like the dis, there's a disconnect between my head and my heart. Like yep. in my head, I hear it, like I understand, but like it hasn't connected to the heart yet. And, you know, the scripture that I picked actually talks about that. Um, so I picked uh, Proverbs 4, 20 to 27, which says, um, pay attention to what I say, turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight, keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. And that's the NIV version. What I, what I love about that passage is it makes me think of a glass. And if we've already filled it with all those things that God's instructed us to fill it with, when the world comes along or the enemy comes along and tries to put things in it, there's, it's already full. So it's sort of like what you were talking about with your depression. Sometimes your head and your heart aren't always in line. But if you've got your, if you start off with your heart full of those things that God has given you, the depression can't, Right. there's no place for the depression to sit in your heart. And I, and yeah, you're that's right. That's powerful. And I, I want to say this because I know it's come up, not with, uh, within us, but like I've heard it stated that um, if you have depression, you're not um, faithful um that's not true that's not true yeah um, absolutely not true depression is just it's it's satan it and we have to combat it and unfortunately for those of us who have depression have to combat it a lot more than those who don't have depression mm -hmm. and i've been diagnosed with clinical you know generalized depression or just the general depression but that doesn't make me any less, less faithful. It just means I have to work harder with my feelings and my emotions to combat. As, Christ as Christians, we're all on a battlefield. Yep. Some people, their battlefield is depression. Yep. That's, that's the battle that, that we're in as, that some people are in as, uh, as Christians, as Christians. 
because I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure the Bible is kind of clear that as Christians, we're on a battlefield. And, and <clears throat> so. Well, as we were all talking this morning, one of the things that kept coming up, which I really liked was, it's not if, it's when. When, when you have these feelings, because we're going to, because we're human beings, because that's the way we were made. So, and it's not, if, if you have these feelings, if you have depression, if you have grief, if you have loss, if you have circumstances that are gonna hurt you and brokenheartedness and all of the other things, those things are going to happen. The key and what's being faithful about it is what we do with it. So don't shove them in your pocket like the quarter or what do we say, you know, sweep it under the rug, you know, bury it, acknowledge it, process it when you can, and then make your choices. So I feel like, you know, I love the fact that we're acknowledging that these things are real. These things are something that all of us deal with, you know? Every man, woman, child, creature is gonna have these feelings. And it's not if, it's when. And they're not just when, but what we do with it. I think that's really important. Right. I'm trying to remember the exact verse and I'm not wearing my glasses. So looking for verses can be quite challenging, but there's a verse in, I think it might be John um, that says that, so I'm going to paraphrase it, uh, but it talks about all of these. There's a few verses that talk about all of these things we can expect from the world we live in. Uh, But a lot of them wrap up with, um, that's what Jesus came to deal with. And despite the enemy's constant attack um, and the battlefield we're on, we already know the outcome. He's already defeated it. Jesus has already defeated it. Mm. So, oh yeah, Jesus has overcome um, something, something, something. Jesus has overcome the world. Yep. He, yeah. The battle's already won. Yeah. And, and the enemy knows it. it, it so, we need to know it too. Yes. Yes. I like that. I like that. And the battle really is his and he's already won it. And I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. John 16, 33. That's um, it. That's it. That's the one. I'm, I'm going to read it, but I, I, I just, I looked it up, but I didn't want to, um, I, I'm, I'm thinking it's King James version with it's cause it's the, the, the words in it, but in the world ye shall have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world as jesus is speaking and i think this is a king james version um Mm -hmm. he yeah he flat out says that um yes that is one of my favorite verses especially when i'm feeling like i'm experiencing a lot of adversity and a lot of difficulties and tribulations right uh especially as we kind of look out our windows into the world that is the verse that is one of my favorite verses is yeah there's tribulation it's hard it's absolutely hard but that's jesus has already beat it 
Isn't it, isn't it James? Isn't it in James 1? It says, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you encounter. Yes, um, that's another again, one I've used. There's no if. There's when you encounter, right. when you have those tribulations, when you have to overcome those obstacles. And consider it pure joy. And I know we've talked about this before, but joy is such a... Uh, a huge word because it's not surfacey happiness. It's not that toxic positivity. It's a deep and abiding thing that offers us peace and contentment where none could be found before because our Savior has already won that battle. So I have another version of that verse you just read ej and mm -hmm. i think if i'm looking at this right it's the holman's but i'm not wearing my glasses so we're going to guess on that okay. thankfully the print is in red so i might be able to read it without my glasses <laughs> but it says um i have told you these things so that uh in me you may have peace you will have suffering in the in this world be courageous i have conquered the world oh, amen beautiful that's exactly what we need yeah i think that's a good way to wrap it up here i feel like this is a good topic i'm glad we talked about it i know we were all kind of a little hesitant but i think it was a good good call and you know we're, we're moving into the holiday season where there's some you know easily could be some bitterness building up with you know spending time with family members that maybe annoy the snot out of you <laughs> Um, or for me, you know, um, having memories of, you know, great, you know, family Christmases and not being able to celebrate the same way. And, um, you know, how easily you can slip into bitterness about that. And I know Lori and I've had some discussions about it. And um, I think it's easy, um, again, you know, let your head and your heart, you have to um, connect to each other. And that's sometimes when we, when we're going through and we tell people to like stop a second, breathe, um, take, you know, count to 10, it's to give yourself a chance for your head and your heart to connect. Um, cause sometimes it does take a few minutes. It's not all going to happen in the, you know, in the snap. So yeah. thanks ladies. All right. Just a friendly reminder that anything discussed in this podcast is not to use as a diagnosis or replacement for conversations with your own doctors, therapists, psychologists, or other medical professionals. This episode is on YouTube and most major pod podcast platforms. And if you're not a subscriber, we'd love for you to be one. So don't forget to like and subscribe. Uh, hit the subscribe button to keep up with our upcoming episodes. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Behind the Mask PC and YouTube now. You can also email feedback or future episode ideas to behindthemaskpc at gmail.com. The uh, scriptures that we shared, the quote that Tina shared, as well as contact information for EJ, Lori, and T will be in the description box. And on behalf of the ladies and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>